Hostile work environment. Exactly. Hey, an appropriate workplace topic. Hostile work environment. I'm the human resources director. Little Miss Hostile work environment. Hey, Mark, it's episode four. Episode four. Four. We've made it four whole episodes. That's incredible. They said it wouldn't last. They did. <laughs> <laughs> How you been? I've been doing all right. I've been doing all right. I'm uh, excited to uh, to talk to you today. Cool. Me too. So, so I heard you were in Texas this week. I was in Texas this week. That I is was in far from Oregon. Lubbock. Texas, Lubbock. which is about as far from Oregon as you can get geographically and culturally. Um, it was a great lesson in how to keep my thoughts and opinions to myself. <laughs> um, I saw what may be the coolest thing ever in Lubbock, Texas, however. Uh, uh, please, so share. I was, I was there for work. It's not like one goes to Lubbock, Texas for fun much. Um, <clears throat> and when I was there, I was going to have a little extra time on the day that I left to come home, which was Thursday. So I asked some people that I was working with, I said, what's the one thing in Lubbock that you got to see before you leave Lubbock? And is it like the biggest ball of twine? Is so it very like, close. Okay. So without skipping a beat, they just goes, they, they, they all said, oh, Prairie Dog Town. Prairie Dog Town. So I was, where? tell me about Prairie Dog Town. They sent me the link on to the the Google entry for Prairie Dog Town, Lubbock, sure. Texas. Which, if you're ever in Lubbock, Texas, you gotta go to Prairie Dog and, Town. And there's only one, I assume. Oh, there's only one. <laughs> so, way on the outskirts of town, there's this big, huge city park. It's got like a golf course and some other stuff. And it's also got, I'm not making this up, Prairie Dog Town, which was established in the 1930s. There was this campaign amongst the local farmers to eradicate prairie dogs by poisoning them, which one guy thought was maybe a bad idea. And he wanted to save the prairie dog. So he put this cement like cinder block wall around maybe an acre of land and then caught two pairs of prairie dogs and put them in that walled-in area. Sure, and let nature take its and course. And let nature take its course. And now there are hundreds of prairie dogs in Prairie Dog Town. Don't prairie dogs, don't they dig? Yeah, and you can tell that the wall is completely ineffective because okay. there's as many prairie dogs outside of the wall as there are inside of the wall. Because they can tunnel, presumably. They can tunnel. They build these massive <laughs> underground cities. And they've done that. But anyway, you can go to Prairie Dog Town, and there's a big old parking lot, and you park your car, and you get out, and you walk along the wall. You can't go inside the wall, because they don't want you messing with the Prairie Dogs. But keep in mind, there's as many outside as inside. Do they have, like, Prairie Dog homes? And They do. They make these big, huge burrows and kick all the dirt out, so you can easily see them. And then they pop their head up out of their little burrow and chatter at you, and they're just absolutely adorable. Do they have elected officials? I, I don't know. I, I, since it's a town, it has to right, have a prairie dog mayor, mayor. A mayor of prairie dog <laughs> <Yeah>. town. <laughs> He's kind of like Mayor McCheese or some other. You know. 
Um, anyway, prairie dogs are for an Oregonian who's never really communed with the prairie dogs before. They are just about the coolest things ever. I I saw them once on a road trip through Wyoming. Oh so, yeah. yeah, I have seen them. Yeah, uh, on, cool. on the road, and we had to be very careful about driving. Yes. Uh, down certain roads. Yeah. All right. Anyway, that that was Lubbock, Texas. That's so cool. I recommend Prairie Dog Town to anyone visiting Lubbock. If I have awesome. the, the fortune of going to Lubbock, that's where I'll go first. Fortune would be the word. Yeah. So, anyway, enough Texas, Mark. Um, I think you had a case for us to talk about today. I do have a case for us to talk about today. And Lay it on me. I, I will. But first, a very small disclaimer. This is one of those cases that we have from time to time that actually has, as part of the case discussion, some four-letter words. So I just want to let you know that there will be one or two small four-letter words that uh, I will mention in the course of telling this case. Uh, and in case you're listening to this in the car with kids, you may want to pause and push forward to the next segment uh, or just wait to listen until the kids aren't there. If you're concerned about it, this is not, it's not outrageous or egregious language, but but it's yeah. just just fair warning. Right. Or if you're at work, make sure that your sound is turned all the way up. Right, especially for that part. Right. Okay. So so this is a case out of Massachusetts. And kind of the, the punchline, it's the Blind Barber case. The Blind Barber. Right. Is he from Boston? Uh, the Blind Barber of Boston. Very well, nice. Close enough to Boston. Okay. Anyway. Yeah. So Good enough for government work. So there's just got me. Is there like a Sweeney Todd reference in here? I'm hoping. <laughs> um, so, so it's the case of Joel. <laughs> And now Joel suffers from an impairment called retinitis pigmentosa, uh, and he is legally blind. Okay. So it's a hereditary condition that affects his peripheral vision. Uh, and he, he says, Joel says that it happens over time. Uh, and it basically means that he can't see off to the sides, peripheral vision, and it affects his ability to see at night. Okay. Um, he's, Hopefully he's not barbering at night. Or, or he's barbering in places where the lights are on. Th that would work too. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> this is the type of insight that you, you know, get from have. us. Yeah. Yeah. We went to law school. <laughs> yeah. We know how to turn on the lights. Well, Mark does. It totally escaped me. Anyway, please All right. continue. So uh, at the time of the case, which was a couple of years ago, he was 29 years old. Um, and back in 2004, he was, when he was 18 years old, he was able to, um, to get a driver's license, but he had to surrender a year later, um, because he simply couldn't see well enough. Okay. Um, but he is, uh, registered in Massachusetts as a person who is legally blind and possesses a certificate of blindness issued by the <laughs> Massachusetts Commission for the Blind, which I didn't know was a thing. I, I didn't know you had so, to be registered as blind. I don't know if you have to be or not, but, but he you is. can. He is. Okay. You can be. Um, if anybody knows, I'd be super interested in hearing. Please yeah. let us know. So um, in 2008, though, even with this um, diagnosis and this disability, he went to the Massachusetts School of Barbering where he completed a 1,000-hour course over the course of about a year, huh. um, passed a written and skills test, and is now a licensed barber, which, again, I didn't realize there was licensing when it came to barbering. Actually, that is something that I knew. Um, which is and, ironic, uh, given that you have no hair. Yes. And I have lots of hair 
though I haven't cut it for a long time. Well, true, yeah. Though by the time this I've airs, probably, I've probably seen a barber have, more yeah. recently than you. Yeah, it could be. Actually, it's, it's okay, an aside here, there's a lot of controversy about the licensure of barbers. And what and is beauticians? The, what is the controversy? So here's the controversy: um, amongst certain people who have hair, but primarily amongst African American women, they will often go to a beautician to have their hair braided, not necessarily cut, but you know, braided and have their hair done. And they historically have not had licensure for mere hair braiding but in many jurisdictions to braid someone else's hair actually requires a beautician certificate or license and it's been it's been pointed out that that could have a disparate impact upon the african-american community because they more often go to somebody just for the act of braiding and 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 having your hair done as opposed sure. to actually cut, which would would make you wonder why you actually need somebody to be licensed in order just to braid your hair. Right. So that that was actually a controversy here in Oregon. Um, I, I never knew that. Yeah. I, I knew I was friends with you for a reason to find out things like this. Such useful knowledge yeah. for everyone. So yeah. uh, don't braid hair without a license. Not in Portland. All right. So... So back to Joel. So he gets his uh, barber licensure. Okay. And um, it's noted in this case that the fact that his peripheral vision is impaired does not impact his ability to perform the duties of, of being a barber. Which is good to know. And he successfully was able to do that for a number of years. So he's not barbering by Braille. Correct. Or phrenology. That would be another way to do right. it. Phrenology, if I am I, I'm just off the top of my head. Phrenology, isn't oh, that, the, the, that was bad. Yeah, isn't that the the science of being able to uh, read like bumps on bumps people's, on head people's head heads, and, right? Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> so so after uh, he becomes licensed, he starts working at Joe's Barber Shop. Uh, and he did so for a few years, but the, the shop was about 45 minutes away from his home and he had to have his girlfriend drive him all the way back and forth. Um, he enjoyed his job. He had no complaints. Everything was going great, but the 45 minute commute both ways. It'd be a bummer um, for the blind barber of Austin. It wasn't fun for him. So, uh, in 2011, he applied for a job at Tony's barber shop, uh, in a town much closer to where he lived. Um, in Massachusetts, does everybody just name their barbershop like Tony's and Joe's and Bill's? And it must is that be. a thing? They don't I, well, I think like, that's a thing everywhere, right? I mean, well, yeah. like here, you go to like Supercuts or well, there's I'm sure they have the chain ones too, but I don't think of Supercuts. It's like that's more like a you know <laughs> a, a, kind of a unisex like we'll do we'll we'll cut anybody's hair, yeah, and it's kind of like a chain hair cutting place as opposed to the barber, barber shop, shop with the with Old the pole outside that spins with the red white and blue and and, and the, the the combs and the barbicide and that's right i always right. like the combs so and the bar i think beside. those places okay. are typically called tony's or joe's right okay so of course the owner of tony's is caesar of course <laughs> i'm not making that up that's actually in the case right wow. so so caesar so uh probably because tony lost his license could be. <laughs> so complainant, uh, complainant being Joel here, uh, did not reveal to Caesar that he's legally blind. 
Um, and in my opinion, nor should he have had to, since he's competent to do the job without telling him that. Um, yeah, I would, I would assume so. All right. And he knew from his prior experience that he was capable. He'd work generally Tuesday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. Uh, interesting little side note here. He testifies that uh, Tony's never gave him a 1099 or a W-2 tax form to complete. So it sounds like, I don't know, maybe a lot of this was going on under the table. Bar- um, yeah. Um, but uh, Perhaps barter. Barter. It's the barter. Blind barber of barber, Boston barter system. Barber barter. Yeah, barber barter. <laughs> say that 10 times faster <laughs> so he uh he, again he he starts working there he doesn't get any complaints about his work or the ability to do his work um and about a year later though um uh, caesar was putting up a ladder to put up a sign and left the ladder sitting in one of the corridors at the shop and joel walked down the hallway and didn't see the ladder and tripped over it uh he says he wasn't injured but after it occurred he says that Caesar told him to open your eyes. Sounds like menacingly, maybe. Yeah. Just keep your eyes open, which I guess you could which read I guess that to could... be be, but, be careful. But Caesar or... didn't know he was blind. But Caesar so it wasn't did not like know a, he was blind. An anti-blindness. Right. right. Just, but just maybe speaks to Caesar's um, uh, mindset or or just his... his uh, abilities as a boss to be kind to his employees oh, yeah all right so uh the next month um caesar actually finds out that joel is blind because a client of the shop who grew up with joel told a co-worker about joel's blindness and the co-worker told caesar oh. and what joel testified is that after learning about his blindness caesar asked some questions about it and told a female manager of the shop to keep uh, keep her eye on him. Okay. So presumably a sighted manager to keep presumably, her eye. Presumably, I'm going to make the assumption that all of the other employees are sighted. Um, yeah, and um, could keep an eye. But thank you, thank you for that. You're welcome. Pun. Um, so uh, a month after that, uh, Joel is sent to a different location of Tony's um, to fill in for uh, an employee who's out on vacation. Okay. And uh, I think this is probably, doesn't really get into it, but I think this is probably because he was simply not familiar with the layout. But it says over the course of, of basically the first day he was there, he, he tripped over the legs of a client who was sitting in the barber's chair uh, next to his. Um, the, the customer's legs were kind of stretched out and Joel didn't see them. Um, and then later that same day, he tripped on a chair in the waiting room. Um, nobody else was injured, neither himself nor others were so injured. No harm, no foul. No harm, no foul. <clears throat> but Caesar tells him, pack up your things, get your wife to take you home. Really? And Joel understood that that meant he was fired. It sounds like a way. Okay. So Especially given Caesar's prior <sighs> lack of good communication skills. Indeed. So... Joel says that he tried to reach Caesar by phone several times over the next few days, but that he wouldn't return uh, the phone calls or speak to him in any way. Um, he finally did break through after about a week, um, and Caesar told him that he did not need a blind barber working at his shop, didn't want the clientele to know that Joel was blind since, uh, I guess, it was still a relatively new startup business. 
Um, and he also claims that Caesar referred to him as you blind fuck and go fuck yourself and lose my number. Wow. Those are strong words from Caesar. Yeah. Um, an eloquent gentleman. An eloquent gentleman. <laughs> I like that. Um, uh, yeah. That's insane. Uh, it's... It ranks on one of the less compassionate ways to fire someone. Right. Especially because of their, their disability. We'll, yeah. we'll get to that in just a second. So just to finish up the story. So so he, um, Joel, remains unemployed for three years and goes through just extreme financial hardship. Oh. At the same time, his wife had a high-risk pregnancy. Ouch. And she couldn't go out and find other work. And he couldn't go out because he needed her to drive him. Oh, but man. she couldn't drive. Um, they end up having to go through uh, foreclosure proceedings several times on their condo. They managed to stay in it somehow. Wow. Um, they had to go on food stamps. Um, and they had to go find uh, seek charitable assistance to buy Christmas presents for their son. Um, and uh, I think very reasonably here, yeah. this caused a great amount of stress and anxiety. One one could see that, yeah. Um Three years later, he finally finds employment at another barber shop, uh, earning approximately what he was making before. Um, and he's, you know, kind of the happy ending here. He's happy. He's refound his confidence. He's cutting hair again. Good. And there's no complaints and everything's back to the way it should be. Excellent. So, so what do you think? <clears throat> he brought a claim. Obviously, uh, of, we wouldn't know. Uh, uh, no. No, that's we have this podcast here to just tell stories and not think. Yeah. <laughs> so no, so he sued Caesar, right? Also known as Tony's Barbershop, Tony, right? Right. Tony's okay. Barbershop. He brought it. He brought a claim in front of the Massachusetts uh, Commission on Human Rights. I think. Let me go oh, back okay. to the beginning here. That's um, <clears throat> this is the uh, Commission Against Discrimination. Ah, Massachusetts Commission Against Discrimination. MCAN. MCAN. And this no, is MCAD. MCAD. They uh, and this is their opinion. Uh, okay. So it never actually went to trial or or, or or litigation. This was simply part of their agency process. Aha. Uh-huh. Um, in Massachusetts. So gotcha. So what do you think? What Based I, on these facts. Okay. What I think is one. I'd have no problem letting Joel cut my hair. Yeah. Well, that's very easy for you to say. Right. Because you have none. No. Um, but but I have hair. Would you let Joel cut your hair? I would have no problem letting him cut my hair. It sounds like he's actually pretty good at it. You would hope after years of doing it. Yeah, that he's good. Which at is it. which and is actually kind of the neat thing about this case is that when you when you first hear about the blind barber of Boston, you're kind of like eye rolling and like yeah, right. But it turns out that this guy was actually able to do it. And, and that, overcame a disability. And to overcame do it. a disability. Just, it's wonderful. You know, I, I think we talked about this a little beforehand. Like, we're both big Joel fans. Like, we are. We love Joel. Um, and it, <clears throat> Joel is like a great example 
of how so many disabled employees and disabled workers are able to still perform the essential functions of their job and do it well despite their disabilities because they figure out new ways of being able to do that thing that other people might be able to do differently. And in this case, he did it without an accommodation. For years. He was just doing it. He was just barbering for years all out there with without help or seeing eye dogs or anything crazy. He could just do it. And... That's the the real key here and why he's going to win this case is that if he couldn't do the essential functions of the job, then maybe our friend Caesar would have had a good reason to let him go. Right. But it sounds like Caesar just was, you know, a bit of a jerk. Yeah, I I can't think of any other explanation for it. The only one I can think of. And it's not a great explanation, but maybe Caesar was thinking, wow, this guy is now a liability for me because he's going to like trip and fall and then file workers' comp claims and stuff like that, which, by the way, is equally awful as just suing the guy because he's disabled, right? Um, at least from a legal standpoint. Right. Um, and, and easily overcome. That problem is so easily overcome. So easily overcome. Maybe you don't leave the ladder out, Caesar. Right. But, it, I mean, there wasn't even an accommodation requested or discussed here. No. If that was even something that was getting in the way of doing his job, which one day over years in a place he was unfamiliar with. Yeah. Come on, guy. Yeah. You blew it. Yeah. All right. So you, I think we're both in agreement here that Caesar maybe not the brightest bulb. Caesar needs to go take one, a management class to learn how to communicate with his employees. Two, he needs to go take a human resources class. So he knows like at least the first thing about the Americans with disabilities act and accommodating people with disabilities. Fair to say. Fair to say. Yeah. So, so and not even accommodating because keep in mind, Joel didn't ask for an accommodation. This is really just a pure old discrimination case. It's like, wow, you're disabled. You're fired. Yeah. And then call him some nasty names in the process. Right. I, yeah. Caesar, not, again, not the brightest bulb, but this isn't even the stupidest thing he did. What is the stupidest thing Caesar did? So one of the things that's fascinating about this case for me is that all of these facts are Joel's facts. Right. We don't know what Caesar said and what Caesar would say because Caesar never showed up to the hearing. Oops. <laughs> so there could be some other story there, out there here. could be we don't know we'll never know and when you don't show up for court you lose you lose and in this case caesar lost he lost seventy five thousand oh, dollars in wow. economic damages twenty five thousand dollars in emotional distress and i'd say given these facts and everything else that maybe he got off lucky on that totally lucky totally lucky at least out here Man, that's like punitive damages time. Yeah, I mean, probably lucky he wasn't in California, right? (laughs) He'd be into it for several million in California. Sorry, Caesar. Yeah. Well, good job, Joel. We're glad that you're back to barbering in Boston blindly. Good for you. (laughs) Yeah. Like I said, we're both big fans of Joel and the fact that this case had to happen kind of sucks. But uh, we're glad that it worked out well for him in the end, actually. And um I just I enjoyed reading this case and, and hearing case. about his story. Yeah. It sounds wacky in the beginning. Turns out to be a really uplifting, great tale. 
Yeah. So thanks, Mark. You are very welcome. We will be right back after these messages. Mark, this podcast is breaking our bank accounts. How do our listeners help support us? They can go help us by supporting our Patreon campaign at www.patreon.com slash H-W-E. That's H-W-E for hostile work environment. Yeah. Dennis, what is that money going to go to help us with? Besides our beer fund, which is the lion's share, it also goes to support our webpage, the production costs, cover the cost of this wonderful microphone that we're recording on, and allow us to keep bringing you this brilliantly wonderful entertaining and informative podcast and we appreciate it okay mark what's up you've probably read a newspaper or looked at the internet the last few months right i mean i I try (laughs) i try not to but sometimes it's just pushed in front of me no i yes i I, I have i have sort of the elephant in the room for anybody in our profession these days is harvey weinstein Kevin Spacey, James Toback. Yeah, I'm not even sure. Bill O'Reilly. Bill O'Reilly. I'm not even sure I'd call that an elephant because it's all anybody in our industry is talking about. It is. And sex harassment, especially coming out of the entertainment industry, is all over the place. Right. And what's one thing that's notable about it, I will say, is that most of the time when we talk about sex harassment in our jobs, it's hostile work environment. Yeah. And this is actually all putting it on quid pro quo, which is the other kind of sexual harassment. Exactly. Which is kind of... Again, unusual for us as professionals to be talking about it this much. But maybe not so unusual in the entertainment industry because they've had a term for that that's been around for like a hundred years. They call it the casting couch. I've heard of that. Well, we've all heard of the casting couch, but have you heard of the casting casket? Oh, no. Oh, my yes. (laughs) Oh, no. So... You can read all about your Harvey Weinsteins, but what you might not have caught was this sex harassment case coming out of Syracuse, New York, where the Simmons Institute of Funeral Service settled a sex harassment and discrimination lawsuit for the low, low sum, I have to say, after all that we've heard about, low, low sum of $30,000. That upstanding institution? That upstanding institution. <laughs> um, I hear it's a little stiff, but... Oh, please. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no. But this one, it just, it's so weird. It just needed us to talk about it okay lay it it on us please the new york state attorney general filed suit against the simmons school or simmons institute of funeral service after receiving it's it's like an actual like this is an it's a school it is a mortuary mortuary school. school okay it is where you go to learn to be an undertaker a mortician okay a you know, person who makes the dead look nice before I'm they getting plan. my six feet under totally. memories back on. Here. Right. Okay. All right. So they would have gone to mortuary school at some point. So the allegations were that the school's president, a guy named Maurice Whiteman subjected female students to sexual harassment and pregnancy discrimination. How do you do that in a nursing home? 
well, well, I mean, <laughs> first, let, let's find out what actually happened. I mean, my, my mind well, can go all sorts of different places. And I want to say, you know, this case settled. These are allegations. We don't know that this actually happened, but the allegations are pretty good. It starts off that the president of this school groped female students during their orientation while just happening to skip over the review of the sexual harassment policies as he goes through the other policies. Oh, so he's actually sitting down to go through the policies. Puts his hand on the female student's thigh. thigh And skips page seven. Yes. Right? (laughs) About sexual harassment. That is is as creepy almost as the place where they're all looking to work. And again, funeral home. Shows up multiple multiple times, visibly intoxicated, hugs, touches female students. Once asked a student if she was a virgin. Uh, uh, okay. An, an, an odd question to ask. Um, she says that she is, and he says, gee, what a waste of life. But this isn't what gets us to the casting uh, casket. Oh, the casting casket. Oh. Apparently, according to the allegations... This um, mortuary school president simulated sex on a body in the embalming room. I, I'm 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 actually just my mouth is open here. That's why I'm not. I, that's why there was like a like that awkward pause because I'm just. Yeah, you don't know what to say about this. Oh man. <sighs> Apparently, he would um, give special perks to students who tolerated the harassment waive certain fees that they would charge to obtain transfer credits, and then repeatedly told a female pregnant instructor that women are good workers, quote, until they get pregnant, unquote. So so there's so many ways in which this is textbook harassment and inappropriate behavior by a male manager. Yeah. We've heard a lot of this before. It's the setting. It's the setting. And the unfortunate puns that come out of it. Oh, my God. What a waste of life. What a waste of life. (laughs) Oh, no. Um, You know, don't even know what to say about it. Do we know how it came to light? Um, Somebody, well, multiple complaints were filed with the New York Attorney General's office. The New New York Attorney General filed suit. And ultimately, the school agreed to pay $30,000 in restitution to students and employees who filed complaint. And Mr. If I'm recalling, Mr. Whiteman? Whiteman is, as far as we know, still the owner and operator uh. of the fine Simmons Institute of Funeral Service. I wonder if they're connected to Simmons the Mattress like Company. Like Beauty Rest? Yeah, like Beauty Rest. Because it, it, it sort of lends itself. There's a certain synergy there. You know, well, beauty you rest, rest on then... a bed, you rest eternally right. in the casket, unless Mr. Whiteman simulates sex on you, in which case maybe not as restful as your loved ones might hope. Um, yeah. That's a doozy. That's a doozy. So I don't know that we have right. lessons well, to that, learn well, from this Right. One. That's the hostile work environment version of talking about all the stuff going on in the news <laughs> you've all heard about the ones in the news those are boring but yeah well we'll, we'll give we'll give you the the sexual harassment in the mortuary case so yeah that's what that we're was all awesome that's a great case dennis you're welcome hey mark if our listeners have too much money how can they get rid of some of it they can give it to us that's a brilliant idea how do they do it they can go to our patreon campaign 
at www.patreon.com slash hwe. Cool. And we're they're not just going to give us money for nothing, right? We're going to give them something in return. Yeah, there's going to be stuff on there. Dates with Dennis. Um, dates with Mark. Dates. Uh, dates. Apparently. Double dates. Double dates. Oh, you. If you're twins. <laughs> Only if you're twins. Dennis will record your voicemail message. Yeah. Uh, and other things. Mark will do your homework. Sure. And we're back. Uh, once again, we are still recording this before we've gone live, so we don't have any real great user stories yet. So we found a couple, and uh, some of these are from our personal experience, and some we found online. So I think today uh, they're both from our personal experience. Oh, are they? Okay. Yeah. I, I knew mine was. I wasn't sure about yours. No, mine you, is, too. Do you want to? Uh, these are uh, kind of stories of embarrassment that have happened to uh people we know right not us because god us, forbid we, we should tell our own embarrassing well, stories we're so awesome that it just doesn't happen doesn't happen to us, us but it does happen <laughs> to our co-workers so <clears throat> i had a job in a law firm around 2000 2001 so if you remember those days that was before we had pop-up blockers Yes. Remember uh, remember pop-up ads? Of course. And you could get like cascading pop-up ads? Yes, I believe I talked about one in this segment on the last episode. I believe so. Of a, so of a, of a bad pop-up. This that's what made me think about this. I've been waiting all week to tell you this story. So, back in 2001, I was working in a law firm and there was this gag that was going around. It was basically what looked like a completely innocuous link. And if you clicked on oh, the link in I an this. email. I think this happened to us, too. Really? I think it happened to everybody. If you clicked <laughs> on the link, it went to some site that would, first, it would play this sound that went, I'm looking, looking at porn. porn. Yes. Yes. <laughs> And then it would open up a thousand pop-up ads for a thousand different and porn sites. And it would like, boost the volume up to the fullest volume oh, yeah. on your computer that it could possibly I be. don't know whoever made this, but who, they were an evil genius. So this was going around our firm. And all of us, like, you know, brand new associates were pranking each other by sending it on. So I would love to take credit for it. I don't know if it was me, but one of us sent it to a friend of ours who is an associate who clicked on the link right as our HR director walked into his office. <laughs> and it loudly exclaimed, I'm looking at porn. And then a thousand pop-up windows came up as the HR director came in to talk to him about his benefits or leave or some nonsense. <laughs> and um, he panicked. As one of might do. Of course he did. So he started like clicking on stuff, but there's a thousand windows and, and he finally just hit the power button on Smart. the computer and killed it. But she, she witnessed the whole thing. She was standing in his doorway as all this came on and he was terrified because he had been there for like, you know, six months, right, you know, he thought he so, was yeah. toast. So that was mine, Mark. You got my, one. Mine's actually from the same era. Do you do you remember? Um, do you remember soundboards? I loved soundboards. Soundboards being like websites that maybe 10, 15 years ago they had uh, for like a movie. It would be you click on a button, you know, it had like fifty buttons on, it, and each button would have a different quote from that movie that it would play. Yeah. All right. So, warning: this does have an f bomb in it. Okay. Uh, 
So in this case, somebody I know was on a phone call. You know, again, we're in a law office. And, and you remember the movie Office Space? Totally remember the movie Office Had Space. the soundboard for the movie Office Space up on his computer while he was on a phone call with the judge in a case. A judge. Talking about probably some discovery issue with the opposing side on the phone and a partner in his office. And in the middle of the call, accidentally slips, clicks on the mouse, and at top volume, his computer yells out, PC load letter, what the fuck is that? (laughs) (laughs) To which everybody... Responded with silence, and the judge says, um, "What was that?" And what happened was, he just said, "I don't know." <laughs> we heard it too, and it went on without any issue after oh, that. Brilliant. But it, it was mortifying just to wow. Say the least. Is somebody else on the line, right? That's brilliant. So, That's a good catch. Good save. All right, so. I think that wraps up this episode. Let's just uh, run through, uh, as we do at the end of these, um, how can people get in touch with us? Yeah, good question. How can they, Mark? I, I have the list in front of me. That That's bounced why back and forth just kind yeah. of very yeah. awkwardly, didn't it? So, yeah, totally. so website, hwepodcast.com. You can find the rest of all of this there, so that might be a really good place to just That's, Yeah, go. you can just go to the website. But email us your stories. We're still looking for tons of stories. Stories at hwepodcast.com. Come to the HWE Podcast Facebook page and click like there. We'll be putting uh, episodes on there eventually and uh, other content. Yeah. Um, we'll, uh, we'll soon have a MySpace page. <laughs> right, Friendster. Friendster. <laughs> Uh, I think we're up on CompuServe. CompuServe and AOL. AOL. Right. Yeah. So uh, so then also just check us out on LinkedIn. I'm Mark Alifans. Dennis is Dennis Westland. Uh, send us connection requests. We're happy to, yeah, do to, that. to hear from listeners. And uh, while we haven't set it up yet as a recording, there will also be a Patreon campaign uh, coming at some point. And there will be swag. Swag. We've got great swag that we're oh playing. We're not going to give it away yet. but No, but it's brilliant and you will want it. You will want to decorate your office, your bedroom with our swag. Absolutely. Uh, and uh, we'll also have sponsor and affiliate information on there at some point, too, with uh, yeah. products and services that we use that, that we, uh, use. we thought we might yeah. be able to like, uh, impart to you guys or with a discount. That, that if we say that we'll use it, maybe they'll give us one and then we can. Of course, we're saying this now. We haven't gone live yet. We've probably already had ads on We've these probably, already. Um, you've probably already bought your Casper mattress and you're laying on it. <laughs> now listening to your audible book that's right yeah uh with your fully with, fully with your, bloated from your, your blue apron blue meal, apron right? meal. <laughs> so yeah. anyway we haven't gotten there in our process yet but, but we gonna, will we may go back and edit after we've already recorded this which makes makes it sound kind of awkward but we're okay with just owning our awkwardness yeah it's it's actually kind of fun so anyway um thanks for listening yeah we really appreciate it we appreciate it and um We'll be back again in a week or so, or maybe less. Um, It'll be a week ago in there, or a week from now in their time. Or actually, we're going to dump like the first five episodes all in one maybe, big batch. Maybe. Or, you know, maybe we stretch it out. We don't know yet. Well, we're winging it. We'll be back soon. Yeah. All right. Talk to you later. Ciao. Bye.